From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, editor of the CQ Budget Newsletter. And I'm Jennifer Shep, budget and appropriations reporter. And we are here to talk about the president's budget request for fiscal year 2021, which is, of course, the kickoff for the annual budget and appropriations process. It's starting. This is it. It's so exciting. Can't have more fun. Um, so we just wanted to talk about some of the major takeaways we, we've seen here from the big budget proposal, $4.8 trillion worth of federal spending. Jen, what was the what was the biggest takeaway for you so far? So for me, looking at the proposed reductions and proposed increases in discretionary spending specifically, the biggest takeaway for me was the large proposed increases to the Department of Veterans Affairs and NASA. And for the VA, that would be about a 12%, a 13% increase. And for NASA, that would be a 12% increase in the upcoming year. And that is going to be something that's potentially really, really challenging for Congress to meet, given those narrow increases in spending that we expect. Yeah, the Veterans Affairs increase, of course, is big, but Trump is always trying to pump up that budget, and he's facing rising health care costs for veterans. So that one sort of could be expected, but I was surprised by the NASA increase. That was a big boost, 12%. This is not particularly surprising for anyone who's been following along with the last 10 or 11 months in the Trump administration's space policy. They are very excited about possibly sending American astronauts back to the moon in 2024. And so that is one of their big initiatives that they're going to be pushing this year. Of course, it's an election year. Who doesn't want to talk about moon colonies in an election year? I mean, it's just the thing that grabs the average voter sitting around a kitchen table. And so that is one of the things that President Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence have been very supportive of. And so they are really asking Congress to put a lot of money into these core systems, the rockets, uh, the space capsule that the astronauts will go to, this what's called the Deep Space Gateway, which is sort of, I guess you can think about it as like the International Space Station, but around the moon instead of around the Earth. Um, And then all the other, they need like a new space suit for the astronauts for this moon mission. So there's a lot of things in development that cost a lot of money because space is, you know, a very hostile environment for people to be in. We're not really structured to live in space. Um, So there's a lot of systems that have to get up and running for this, and they are asking for an additional $2.7 billion, um, which is a lot of money for one agency, particularly one with the size of NASA's budget, to get in a year. Well, one of the big takeaways for me, probably the biggest one, was, you know, last year we had a bipartisan agreement on spending limits, and now Trump is not willing to honor it. And here we are with an election year budget, and he's going to stray from that bipartisan agreement. I think that's going to create major political problems for him and major political problems to get these spending bills done because because that bipartisan agreement had very modest increases for both defense and non-defense programs. Trump is abiding by the defense budget, and he's going to let that rise slightly. But he wants to cut non-defense programs by about 6% compared to this year's levels, whereas the bipartisan agreement called for a very modest increase, less than 1%, but still not a cut. And so he's he's reversing course on this bipartisan deal. Uh, It seems to me, Jen, that sets them up for major 
problems. So I have a slightly different takeaway from those numbers than you do. Okay. And yes, he's proposing a significant cut to non-defense programs, but he's proposed these in the past and they have been largely ignored by Republicans and Democrats in Congress. Sure. So I think there are, there's going to be certain Republicans from kind of that core further right fiscal block that are going to want to try to attach on to some of these spending reductions and really make them reality. But I think when it comes right down to it, particularly with Republicans on the Appropriations Committee or Republicans in leadership, I think everyone is planning in in Congress who, of course, controls spending. I think they're all planning to abide by this spending level that was reached last summer. So I kind of see it more as a, a political document from the Trump administration in an election year than something they actually expect congressional Republicans to go along with. Okay, so they may just simply ignore it and move on then. Yeah. (laughs) Which often happens with president's budgets. They're really just a, they are more of a messaging document anyway than a real real spending plan that gets enacted. Yeah, and if Republicans on the Hill, which once again, I do not think they're going to do this, if they were to try to actually walk away from that spending agreement, that's going to really slow everything down and create a whole lot of headaches for actually getting any spending bills enacted this year. And so I just don't think, you know, the the two-year spending agreement that they reached last summer, that took a lot of work. Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin was on the Hill all the time, a lot of behind-the-scenes staff negotiations and a lot of stress to get that bipartisan, bicameral agreement reached. And so I really, I would be very, very surprised if anyone thinks they want to go back to the renegotiate it. So as long as the White House is willing to cave fairly quickly, they might be okay. Right. All right. So what's another takeaway for you? We still have the border wall fight and all of the kind of sub fights that go along with that this year. It's an election year. We know that Trump is going to want to, you know, point to the sections of the border wall that they have built so far. Uh, That is roughly 100 miles. A lot of that is replacement structure, which is something that Democrats have been pointing to. Um, But the Trump administration also comes in and says, listen, the pre-existing structures were a lot different than this kind of steel structure that's going in. So there's going to be a lot of election year back and forth on this. Um, But one of the things that I thought was really interesting is that last year, the Trump administration asked Congress for $8.6 billion in new border wall construction money. And this year, they're they're just asking for $2 billion. Um, So that kind of signals that they've gotten... Lowering the stakes a little bit. Yeah, they're lowering the stakes on direct appropriations, but we're still going to have this kind of subfight, which is the Trump administration has maintained its ability to move money from certain accounts, particularly in the Department of Defense, to border wall construction. And we're, last year, they moved $3.6 billion from military construction accounts to border wall accounts. And it sounds like we are very, very close to getting another reprogramming announcement from the Pentagon on this. So there's going to be that renewed fight of, is this really a national emergency? And should Trump really be pulling money from military construction, yeah. uh, base housing, schools, all of these things? Um, to the border wall. Is that really in the nation's best interest? And so we're going to see that fight um, kind of permeate through the entire process again. All right. That's for sure. And then another another big one for me is uh, the debt gets bigger and the budget doesn't balance because Trump has Trump has proposed some major spending cuts, we should say, which have very little chance of getting enacted. But even if Congress were to enact all of his spending cuts and even if 
uh, his economic projections, which are pretty rosy, bear out. Pretty rosy. Yeah. That's uh, generous. <laughs> even if all that happens, though, Trump cannot balance the budget. He doesn't produce – he doesn't eliminate deficits within the next 10 years. But they extended the window to 15 years. Right. But that's – an. To my mind, that's a pretty meaningless uh, – I mean, you can promise anything in 15 years or 50 years or 100 years and it doesn't really doesn't really mean anything and Trump's only going to be in office for another four years max. Um, what matters is the near term here uh, and he doesn't get to balance and the deficit is still going to be growing uh, although they, they claim as uh, – as a percentage of the economy, uh, it'll be less burdensome over time if these deficits do start coming down. But that's based on a lot of rosy projections here that a lot of independent forecasters and certainly the Congressional Budget Office have said they don't see happening. Yeah, there are also no new major tax cuts proposed in this budget, which is something we've heard Republicans yeah. in the Trump administration talk a little bit about for a really long time is following up on that big GOP tax plan from a few years ago and maybe kind of put something out for the election year to try to maybe get some of those more moderate voters excited about voting for Trump again yeah. or Republicans again. But we didn't really see that big tax plan 2.0, I think is what everyone's sort of referring to it as. We didn't see that. It's not in this budget, although White House officials said it could be coming later this year. They might be saving that up. Maybe closer uh, to November. Closer to the campaign season, I think they want to save something. So that that may be coming down the road, but it's certainly not in this budget. So um, it, it's, it's unlikely to get enacted this year. And another takeaway for you? I think that's about it for me from really big takeaways besides the fact that appropriators are once again referring to their role as holding the power of the purse and that it's really up to Congress to figure out what departments and agencies warrant additional spending, where spending reductions may or may not take place, and really kind of holding on to that annual appropriations process in the House and Senate. Yeah. And for me, I would say two more points. One is we're going to see another big battle over health care funding, of course. Trump is proposing major cuts to Medicaid. Uh, and some some major cuts he's assuming to Medicare, and we know those aren't going to really happen. But there will be a battle over Medicaid in particular because he wants to transform the program a bit from the, an open-ended entitlement to these capped payments to states in terms of block grants. That would be a major change in how the program has worked, and that that's going to face some fierce blowback from Democrats. Right. And I think whenever we're talking about entitlement programs, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, I think it's really important to point out that those are not those are not funded as part of the annual appropriations process. Right. They are in a category that's referred to as mandatory spending. And so in order for any administration to make any changes to Social Security, Medicare, or Medicaid, you really need big bipartisan buy-in right. on the Hill. Um, and that is something that's very challenging to get behind any small tweaks to those programs, let alone a big sweeping overhaul. So that's not something that I would expect to actually see in the foreseeable future and definitely not in an election year. That's a safe bet, I think, not in an election year. But it will be a big political battle and talking point on the campaigns. Oh, of course. This is the year for political talking yeah. points. And then my to end on a hopeful note, I guess, uh, I saw two proposals in the budget that have a chance of bipartisan support here. One is 
Trump's effort to lower the cost of prescription drugs, which both parties say they want. And the, the budget doesn't spell out any real plan for doing that, but they do, they're, they're estimating savings in the budget based on the hope that legislation can pass that lowers prescription drug costs. Do you think that has a chance? I'm really skeptical of this. If you go back to the State of the Union speech, when Trump brought up prescription drug coverage and prescription reducing the price of prescriptions, Democrats in the audience held up kind of three fingers referring to H.R. 3, which is House Democrats' prescription drug pricing bill. Um, and that seemed to create a little bit of tension in the room in terms of what Republicans, how Republicans want to approach this issue and how Democrats want to approach this issue. Um, so I would be a little bit surprised if we see some big bipartisan agreement on drug prices in an election year. I'm a little bit more glass half empty on this and that I think both sides really want to be able to campaign through November on their proposals. That could be. It's going to be a tough a tough uh, lift to, to do if, if they can do it. But although the, at least both sides say they want to do it, but the devil's in the detail and that we'll have to see. The same with the other program that has bipartisan potential, which is Trump is touting $1 trillion for infrastructure. And both parties say they want a major infrastructure spending package, repairing roads, bridges, water systems, airports, everything else. Um, but again, there's no real plan for getting this done in this budget. Most of that money, he's assuming, comes from reauthorizing the Highway Trust Fund. And there's not enough money to sustain the Highway Trust Fund right now. And there's no there's no agreement on how to shore it up. So that's another tough haul, I would say, wouldn't you? Yeah. And I think the point you make that the devil is in the details is really important here. This administration has not been particularly forthcoming ahead of time about policy proposals. They constantly kind of say, well, we don't want to get ahead of Congress and they prefer to negotiate behind the scenes. So we haven't seen a whole lot of detailed proposals come out in recent months in terms of these bigger policy ideas like prescription drug pricing or like infrastructure. And when they say they want to do something in the budget request, that's great. But if you don't have a whole lot of details and how you're going to pay for it attached to that, um, it doesn't really carry a whole lot of momentum. Right. Yeah, it's going to be tough. I mean, we're not going to expect major accomplishments in this election year, and they're not going to be in session as long this election year because they're going to be wanting to be out on the campaign trail. So that, And we should say that's another reason why this budget is going to go nowhere fast because they're not going to be in town much to, to get spending bills built, done. Yeah. But this is the start of the annual appropriations process. And so we're already seeing announcements for the House Appropriations Subcommittees and the Senate Appropriations Subcommittees to start bringing in department heads and agency heads and get them talking about these budget requests and really kind of get those gears to start moving in terms of figuring out how much each of the 12 appropriations bills is going to get from those top line spending levels and then really working through that markup process. Yeah. The early preliminary work will get going, but uh, don't look for a timely completion of spending bills. Uh, the fiscal year begins October 1st, and I don't think anyone expects to have uh, spending bills in hand by then. I don't think so. I think this is an issue that's going to last into the lame duck. Okay. So that does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can drop us an email, cqpodcast at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call. It's a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis 
for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. And you can stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week.